It's time to talk about social media. I often talk about the scam life cycle and different unwitting accomplices like telcos, mobile OS vendors, social media and messaging platforms, and of course, financial institutions and law enforcement. None of them want to induce scams, of course, and many of them do their part in preventing scams, but many of them do enable communications, money transfers, and they don't necessarily focus on online scams. At the same time, there's been a significant evolution in governments and regulators' attention to the problem of online scams, and in particular, authorized push payments, where victims are coerced into transferring money themselves. For example, the UK Payment Systems Regulator announced legislation that will mandate financial institutions to reimburse customers for scams in mid-2024, and there are many other initiatives globally. Earlier this year, UK Finance, a trade association for the UK banking and financial services sector, released a report that showed that 78% of authorized push payment fraud begins online, with another 18 starting with phone calls. Recently, the Financial Times reported that UK Finance said that its data had found that 61% of all reported authorized push payment fraud by volume is connected to Meta, to Meta's social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, as well as WhatsApp. So criminals use scam phone calls, text messages, and emails, as well as fake websites and social media posts to trick people into handing over personal details and passwords and then subsequently use that information to convince people into authorizing a payment. So it could be an impersonation scam or an extortion scam or having enough information about them to make criminals dangerous, like the fact that they have children and the ages of children and things like that. And we're very familiar with the grandparent scam or high mom scam and such. And UK Finance's Managing Director of Economic Crime Katie Warbeck said that no matter how advanced the technologies are being used at financial institutions, be it with AI, connecting multiple behavioral device network elements, as long as fraudsters can convince victims to let them access their personal information and authorize payments, it's back to square one. And they also go ahead and say, you can have many locks on the door as you like, but if someone gives you the keys or even opens the door for you, all bets are off. Scam Rangers, a podcast about the human side of fraud and the people who are on a mission to protect us. I'm your host, Ayelet Bigger-Levine, and I'm passionate about driving awareness and solving this problem. Welcome to Scam Rangers. Today's Scam Ranger is an ex-integrity slash trust and safety team member at both Meta, in particular Facebook, as well as LinkedIn. His name is Asaf Kipnis, and I'm very excited to have you hear the conversation with him. Hi, Asaf. It's great to have you on the podcast, finally. Oh, uh, thanks so much for having me. We talked a few times a couple months ago, and now a few weeks ago, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. We're going to touch a few hot topics and talk about the role of social media in preventing online scams. Before we jump into the big story, I wanted to ask you to share a little bit about your background and your roles with trust and safety teams at the companies that you worked with. Sure, happy to. 
going all the way back, I'm originally from Israel. I got to the U.S. when I was 23, I think. I spent four years in the military in Israel in the artillery forces. Uh, and then I got here. Long story, uh, ended up getting my degree here in cybersecurity, which was kind of cool. It was, if I'm not mistaken, the third cybersecurity class in that school, uh, which was long time ago. Um, <clears throat> after that, I worked as a security engineer in a couple of places. And then I got my start in um, trust and safety when I went to LinkedIn. Uh, I was a part of the investigations team in, in LinkedIn, which was the team that was dealing with the most prevalent issues. Um, I was doing a lot of scraping. I actually got a lot of <clears throat> notoriety lately again. But I was dealing with a lot with with anti scraping, account takeovers, extortion, um, <clears throat> things that you'd be surprised. I, I get a lot of people being really surprised, like oh, things like that happen on LinkedIn. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes. Where there's user generated content, there is people abusing it. Um, right. <clears throat> after that, after a little under three years at LinkedIn, uh, I moved over to the e crime team at Facebook, where <clears throat> it's it, it's if you think about it, it's a little similar, but it's a much, much larger scale and complexity. Um, dealing with financially motivated actors. Uh, <clears throat> and I was there for four years as a, an IC, as an individual contributor. Uh, I, and then a year as a manager of the team. I dealt with things ranging from uh, phishing, scams, social engineering, um, uh, large uh, inauthentic behavior and co coordinated inauthentic behavior clusters during 2020. Uh, and my, my last uh, stint and most of my work as a manager was a really strong focus on uh, on scams and then uh, also pig butchering scams and military impersonations and work on at scale mitigation through investigations. Wow. And one of the things that, um, you know, is really intriguing to me as we talk about that scale of work is, you know, both LinkedIn and Facebook. Let's let's focus on Facebook for a second, because that's the organization that you were part of in Meta. Both of those are very large scale organizations, I'm assuming, when it comes to trust and safety because of that many reasons, not just security, right? The integrity of the data, the there's a lot of news around groups that are starting and, and misinformation on these platforms. So I bet a lot of that, and you focused on financial crime, correct? So I, I think there, although your focus is one, you, you really need to take into consideration everything. Um, so what would be a day in a life in your, in your role, let's say, a uh, at Facebook, what what are the things that you looked for? What are considerations that your team took into account in in the daily life there? So, if I focus more on the scam activity that we did, which I'm very proud of the way um, the team was working on it, because originally when I started on eCrime, it was very much let's go find the bad guys and let's shut them down, which is a lot of fun. And you can do a lot of uh, new, very much very nuanced investigations, uh, but then we kind of moved into like, okay, how do we actually attack the problem at scale? 
So when we started working on scams, there was a, a very big focus on, okay, how do we identify these clusters of bad activity versus identifying, well, versus identifying the who? Uh, while identifying the who is doing it is is important, but that wasn't the the main goal. The main goal. So, if you go into it, um, so if you look at at, at the scam the scam kind of infrastructure at all, um, it's a lot of small. If I think about it as a graph, it's a lot of small nodes that are doing scams. A lot of very like. It's very disparate and it's very broad. Right. And if you shut down one node, then another one will pop up. So that's not effective. Exactly. So that was one of the things that I was very proud of and still am. But where I was in the, the, the structure in, in Meta is we weren't the team to take down one thing and move on. We were the team to say, okay, here's one thing. Let's see where are the thousand things that are connected to it. So kind of backtracking into the bigger picture. Exactly. My, 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 I think my spiel was always you take a cluster, you make it bigger, then you make it smaller again, then you make it bigger, and then you narrow it down. Um, so that, that, that is kind of what you do. You, you, you get a cluster from whatever source, and then you start identifying the TTPs, the tactics, techniques, and procedures of the attackers. And then you try to generalize it. What are they doing? How are they doing it? How can I find now that I know kind of how they look like on the platform? How can I generalize this so I can find more of them and then kind of make sure that I have good precision? Recently, there started to be more of a focus on like, let's preserve user voice. Let's protect actually good users from false positives. Um, so uh, that was uh, actually um, my, the people that worked with me were, were security engineers. So there was a lot of technical work to kind of really distill the data to, okay, here is actually how it looks like. And what I really enjoyed was working on a large cross-functional team with you know, machine learning and engineering and, and product to, to really identify how do we holistically solve the problem, which is, which is, it's funny because that was towards the end of my work, but I feel like that's something we were striving for for a really long time. I really always wanted to figure out the holistic way to solve these problems. I always, I called it like, I don't want to just close the door that they came through. I want to build a wall there mm -hmm. and then they'll find another way, which is fine. Um, and looking back to other work that was done, I think most of my successful work was when we were doing this at scale mitigation. We just were more empowered to in the last year. Yeah. And that, that's really good to hear. And so tell us what, what your next steps are now. So a couple of things. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out kind of what do I want to do? Do I want to continue working, go back to working for a larger company? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I have just decided to start kind of like a venture on my own for consulting and advising. Mm -hmm. I'll see how it goes. I really, I, I've been trying to find what what does a stuff like to do? Mm -hmm. And I really like to connect people together. And I really like talking to people. Um, since I got laid off, all I do is kind of talk to people and I find it very energizing mm -hmm. uh, and kind of spread the knowledge and talk about new problems. So I'm trying to do that while at the same time trying to see, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta put food on the table. So kind of see if I can get a uh, 
if I can get and if I want a full time job at um, other type of leadership in the in the space. That's great and good luck. And now okay. I want to ask you a few hard questions, oh uh, which is why we're here today. So first of all, I'll say, of course, you're not speaking on, on behalf of Meta and, and uh, you no longer work there, although you are very loyal and, and you like the company and you appreciate what they're doing. So that's great to see. But I did, did want to put that disclaimer in here. Um, and one of the things that's really kind of bothering me, and I reached out to you to talk about this, was, okay, let's put it on the table. Let's put the hard stuff on the table. What's happening today is that people are being scared. scammed at, at larger scales than ever before. We can see that everywhere in the world, uh, in the FBI reports that are coming out, in the UK finance reports that are coming out, in the initiatives that the governments of Australia and the UK are taking. And here in the US, uh, the Senate is also putting pressure on companies to do more. Now the financial sector is in scrutiny, under scrutiny all over the world. And what we're seeing as the regulatory landscape unfolds in the UK, where they're talking about the, the uh, payment systems regulator just released an announcement a couple of days ago talking about the fact that the, you know, here's a draft of regulation that's going to come out in October. We expect banks to get it in place in 2024. What's the first thing that happened? Finger pointing at social media, because in this whole scam life cycle, we have You know, the incoming text messages and calls or messages on social media or scam ads that are happening on Google. And I just we just presented actually myself and a colleague of mine to fifth graders and we presented uh, about cybersecurity yesterday at school. And we presented a video showing how it's so easy to find fake ads, scam ads and scam videos on YouTube and, and Google search. So it's definitely not just Facebook, but those are places where all these scams originate. And then, yes, later on in the, in the life cycle, there is the financial transaction that happens. And yes, financial institutions are involved, but it seems like all the pressure is on them because that, that's where the money is. And the question becomes, you know, what about social media? So, for example, TSB uh, stated a few days ago, or maybe it was a week ago, that Eight in 10 scams come from meta platforms. So we're talking about WhatsApp, where the pig butchering scams often start, Facebook Marketplace, um, Facebook Chat, all these groups that happen, Instagram, there are a lot of Muse scams. This is something that I also talked to a few other UK banks, and it's common knowledge. Maybe it's not eight, maybe it's 75% or 70%. First of all, how is this happening and why is so much coming from meta? So first of all, I want to caveat the kind of explain my loyal quote unquote loyalty to Meta. Um, my loyalty is for the people who work on integrity. Um, they deserve to be represented correctly because they are the ones doing the work. Um, companies make company decisions, but I will say that the integrity team in Meta, they all want the best for users. And just I think that's like end to end. Um, and there are just amazing people. Um, and I can say that about LinkedIn as well. So I have big feelings about, uh, about articles like that. So I'll start from the articles and I'll go down to like the nitty gritty. So <clears throat> I've been thinking about this since we spoke and I really like analogies. So here's my analogy to that. 
Um, I, I'm ready for people to to uh, challenge me on it. Um, <clears throat> saying that most scams come from Meta, to me, says that if we imagine that there was a in the world of car manufacturing, there was one manufacturer that made ninety percent of the cars, and then you said most accidents happen from that car manufacturer. Yeah. That 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 makes sense. That's it. Like most most interaction happens there. Uh, if we go back to social media, well, most interaction. So, first of all, most interactions happens there. There's a giant user base, and it's been around for what now we we could call a really long time. Um, so it's not. So when I see an article like that, usually I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because yes, there's always truth in there but it's very to me it's very clickbaity uh it's like look at this look how bad it is it, it it's it's frustrating because yeah obviously um I, I i always try to i working at meta is sometimes exhausting just due to like these news articles that just beat you down because there uh, there's a lot of people like look at this and say oh they don't do anything it's like dude that's all I do, day and night, uh, and there's it, it's difficult. So that's why I have big feelings about that. I it's kind of to me, it's a little bit of lazy reporting. Uh, kind of like I'm I'm not surprised. But but let me double click on that. So you t- you talk about uh, as an integrity team member the fact that these news articles come out. It's exhausting. Um, so I wanted to kind of double click on that from, from two angles. One is just generally speaking, how does the press you feel impact Meta's ability to act on these types of things, on scams? Like how do, how do these articles impact that type of work? And the other question is, I think people don't know enough about what Meta does to stop scams. And, and I think that's the gap here that uh, we might be able to close a little bit. So let's start with the first part. How does the press impact Meta's ability to act? So, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I think it's kind of like a self-fulfilling thing. It's like uh, you have the media sometimes saying good things, sometimes saying bad bad things. I'm not going to dog the media, but like saying these things or pointing out and not only media advocates, which, by the way, I've I've met Aaron West multiple times. I love Aaron. Uh, We had conversations about this. Sometimes people only see their own universe, which is fine, but they forget that the meta universe, I'm not going to say the other thing, but the meta universe is enormous and worldwide. So what happens is, and this is kind of goes into those reports, advocates, and news sites that I, I can tell you the, perspe- the perspective of a, of a you know, down in the weeds person. So my perspective as a downer-the-weeds person is this. The media reports something. That trickles down through the hallways of Meta to whoever it needs to be and creates a fire, uh, a PR fire of, of sorts. What happens then is that the company, I think, has no choice but to go to integrity and say, whatever it is that you're doing now, stop. Fire. Go deal with the fire. And integrity in general and trust and safety in general is fires. 
Uh, but it's very frustrating as someone in the front lines to to get consistent. So this is what happens. You consistently get diverted to fires, which, by the way, in my role, I got very, very good at saying no. So I, I got my, I left my, my team was very focused and I said no to all fires, but that was 90% of my job. I called myself a gold. But here's another analogy. Uh, that I was pl- playing around with. Imagine it's an ER and someone comes in with a brain injury and you're dealing with the brain injury, but you know what? Their legs are broken and I don't, and they have burns on them. But you're dealing with a brain injury right now. That's what I'm dealing with. I need to keep this patient alive. But then you have their family members or their friends who are screaming at you and clawing at you deal with the broken legs right now. That's untenable. Like we're going to have to deal with the bigger, let's keep this patient alive. I know it's a little morbid, but imagine yourself as the doctor dealing with it, getting pulled into these new directions. And while the doctor has all the power to say, you know, I go away. Um, Integrity people have a hard time because you can't, constantly fight it so what happens is two things one you get pulled in a million directions because someone saw themselves saw a person's picture a hundred times on the platform on a hundred accounts which i will concede that is a problem but in the larger scale someone's picture getting used in a hundred or a thousand accounts is beyond small of a problem like, it's annoying. It sucks for that person. They're used for romance scams. Agreed. Agreed. So what I recently saw, there was a thing, I think I talked about it with, with Aaron, about why can't Meta take down the pictures of that guy? Because one hopes, which is what we did, we're dealing with the core of the problem. The pictures of the guy on accounts, that is the most minute of symptoms if if we kept getting if we keep getting pulled to dealing with symptoms we're never going to be able to deal with the problem um it's funny it's kind of like it's kind of a dichotomy there's a perception that the team is small which it, it is not and then there's also like the team's too big so or not too big the, the perception that the team is too big and can deal with everything it's like I, I I I completely agree. So from my perspective, as someone who doesn't work at Meta, I expect a thousand people to be thrown at, or thousands of thousands of people to be thrown at these problems, and I don't know how many. And I'm not going to ask you how many are, are working on this right now. But I also understand that large organizations drive the need for swim lanes and clear clear goals and and not you know stepping on each other's toes, not just politically, but really to orchestrate organization in this in the in the shared mission. And that leads to big company problems that are are clear. Uh, but then my question is, what is Meta doing? And I think that gap of knowledge is creating uh, room for these accusations that are real that eight out of 10 scams are coming from Meta platforms. Yes, but how many did you stop? Maybe it's eight out of 10 scams, but maybe the number of scams would have been, you know, three or 10 or 15 times more than it is now, and you're actually stopping a lot. We, ju- we really don't know. And I think Meta's, and I'm not going to ask you about Meta's PR policy right now, but Meta's PR policy from from my view has always been err on the side of, of silence uh, and, and avoidance. Uh, but but I, 
I think the time will come and not asking you a question here, and this is a statement that I'm making that where meta is going to need to be, and not just meta, by the way, we're picking on meta, but just because we have, you know, access to you who work there, but it's going to be other companies too, like Google with YouTube and, um, and, and, and Google search will, will need to give some information, not necessarily to me, but definitely to regulators and, and other stakeholders about what they are stopping and what they're, what they are doing and how they're planning to collaborate with other institutions in order to collectively fight scams, be it financial institutions, be, be it law enforcement, be it retailers and others. I, I think that's going to, to need to happen as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the point I want to get at. In the end, <clears throat> let's pick on LinkedIn for a second. Um, and don't worry, LinkedIn, I'm not going to really pick on you. Um, these pig butchering scams start on LinkedIn, but they start on LinkedIn. If you think about the, 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 what happens there, it's very minute. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a very minute because it's like, hey, Ayelet, let me talk to you about my money, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to, let's go to WhatsApp. Let's go to in the, the Telegram. So it's small. The the the, P, the the amount of data that LinkedIn has to work with is very very small, uh, but then they have kind of the stigma that it started on LinkedIn, but then it's it, then again it's small, and because it's so small, the level of work in engineering is a lot bigger. So, I the, the something that that I I thought about is the more that is happening on your platform. Actually, the easier it is for, to investigate. Okay, so let's go to let's go to those platforms. So, if we're talking about Meta, then something that might start at Facebook and then they take it off platform to WhatsApp or Instagram and off platform to WhatsApp. What about those opportunities for collaboration for cross referencing things? Okay, so yeah, so, so so that's where I was go I was going with, and I went on a tangent. My hope, or I think it's everybody's hope, is that everybody collaborates. It's the tech platforms and the banks and the and the regulators. I believe there's an honest attempt to do that across across all industry and and with law enforcement. It's just every piece of the puzzle. They all have their things that I can't say, I can't share. Or I'm not picking on meta, it's everyone. Or you go to law enforcement and it's not big enough. It's not prevalent enough. Uh, law enforcement sometimes doesn't know how to deal with it. So it's funny. I talk to my friends at meta and they're frustrated with law, frustrated with law enforcement because they're like, here's stuff, do something. And law enforcement has a giant queue of stuff they need to do. So the ideal situation is that everybody works together. Um, I will say that within Meta, the cross cross pollination is works really well. It's a lot of work. It's sometimes more complex than others. I can't speak to WhatsApp, but it does happen. And there, it like we were really working to figure it out. Um, I think going back to something we talked about a little earlier. Personally, I felt. Well, I don't want to attack the press by any means. It, I, I felt that sometimes the constant dogging of Meta be, created the situation in which Meta doesn't speak. It's, I'm not going to say it's good or bad or that Meta comms is good or bad, 
but it creates this situation that like, I can't speak. I'm not going to put anything out there because whatever it is that I will put out there, high possibility that will get spun into something negative about me. That's why I'm hesitant about saying things and I needed to make sure that I can say things because I don't want it to get spun around to something negative. And then you have, if you think about it, you have the other, let's say Google. Does Google need to be attached publicly to Meta and get attached to bad press? Because Meta is, a, is, is the golden child of getting bad press, They're, whether it's their fault or not. That's where I feel that if, if people really want to help, and this is not just media, try to bring the problem up. I saw this thing on LinkedIn. It's like immediately like Meta doesn't care. Meta is a scammer. And it's like, eh, what does that narrative give to you beyond feeling good at the moment? It doesn't help anybody. Uh, that that makes me want to ask a lot of questions, but I will um, focus on one specific area I think of weakness that I've seen. And if you talk about, you talked about LinkedIn and I see on Reddit as well, one area of weakness is, is in my mind is Facebook marketplace. That is like a heaven for scams. It's known for being a very scammy for every one good reply. There are many other bad replies and what is going on there? I know that you didn't work on Marketplace, but... Yeah, so, yeah, like you said, I didn't work in Marketplace. I don't know the inner workings, so I won't speak to their inner workings. Um, I'm not very surprised that, that it happens in Marketplace because Marketplace, that's where people exchange money. If, if, if you think about all the other areas you can go to to, to scam people... Marketplace makes the most sense as a scammer. That's where people exchange money. It's hard because it's really hard to detect intent. It's really difficult. Like, True. You can, you can continuously chase the reports. Like, you know, I, 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 if anybody hears this and wants one thing they can do as an external person, when you see something, report, 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 report. Because if right. there's no reports, it's very hard to find these people. Be- and I, yeah. I think it's a classic t- case of taking things off the platform too, right? The, the You can't know who's good and bad if you don't have the data, as you said, in the reporting. And Marketplace is kind of a the facilitator of the communication, but then people do take it off platform and the scams actually happen later when people say, you know, my cousin will come pick this up. Send me a, I'll send you a check, all these fake check scams and et cetera, et cetera. The other thing about, I think in the last less than two years, scammers have gotten a lot more sophisticated. I've seen all kinds of things with pig butchering and we're seeing on the other side with just like someone selling something and then they have like a, a, a the, they even have a support that you can call. It's, we're no longer in this very simplistic romance scam age. Not to, you know, if you get if you fall for a romance scam, it doesn't mean that you're simple. It's just their mechanisms were fairly straightforward. And if you look at it, they're not even at, they weren't even like going for that much money. Now it's, let's get as much as I can. Uh, let's make it, it's, it's becoming a business. And once it's becoming a business, and if you're a business and there's an adversary ahead of you that that's their business 
to defraud your business. Um, that's very reminiscent to nation state to me. It's they're not, I'm sure they're, I, I didn't work on nation state. Uh, I, I, but they're not as complex, but they're, they're working towards getting there. They're working to get towards the organization of, of like, this is what we do. We are a company and we're here to defraud people. And to defend against that is very, very difficult. Um, yeah, from, from military experience and other experiences, attacking is a lot easier than defending and a lot less time and resource uh, consuming. And I, by the way, I think it's not considered nation state, but I think from a financial loss perspective, this is getting close to nation states. It's not, it's not attacking the, uh, the government infrastructure or, or systems, but it is attacking our economy and global economy, but, but definitely the U.S. economy is part of the global economy to the scale that these scams are happening, which we're yet to really grasp and, and understand. So clearly this is a huge problem and clearly, you know, we don't know what Meta is doing. We only know what others are saying in the press, that there are a lot of scams happening on Meta. But it's also on the flip side, you had a really important role on the integrity team. You talked about the strategic role that you were playing in kind of being the gatekeeper and focusing on keeping the patient alive and which is, you know, really focusing on the bigger picture and understanding the MOs. But unfortunately, there were a lot of layoffs at Meta and including yourself. Again, you had a lot of knowledge, a lot of know-how and others on the integrity team. So what does that mean about the importance of this topic to Meta in general? Um, speaking of, on again, on the space I, were, I, I was in, first of all, everybody's replaceable. Business is business and everybody's replaceable. I, I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> if you think about it this way, it's in Meta's financial best to fight these things. Regulations are coming if they haven't come out yet already. The business has, has made decisions to streamline some stuff. Streamline, get, get, get working on things that are more critical. In the short term, maybe it makes it a little more thrashy, but uh, I don't think it's affecting the efforts at large. I, I really don't. Like, I, I, I'm even like catching up with people the work continues the the focus continues uh i and nobody in, at least where i am the focus from this work has not shifted it's just things got shuffled around to for for efficiency sake or whatever it is that means that i don't work there anymore yeah um but i yeah i i didn't i don't see it as something that will be of detriment to the work we've done well that's good to know. I wanted to ask a question about shutting down accounts. You mentioned earlier with the, you know, the fake pictures and the um, the fact that you are seeing things that might imply that there's a bad account or something like that. And I also know that, and I think from as myself as a Facebook user who used to be on Facebook a lot, and in the last few years, I'm not really on Facebook. I am using other meta platforms but not Facebook. The number of users is declining and I'm assuming that that has some impact in shutting down accounts. Do you see any changes in, in shutting down fake accounts? How easy is it from your perspective? What do you need to prove in order to shut down an account uh, that was reported by platform users? And how's the process changed in, in that whole era of preserving voice? 
that's a really good question. And it's funny, I'll get, I've had people internally say, why don't you just take down all the fake accounts, which always make made everybody chuckle. Like, would you like to show them to us? If we only focus on fake accounts, there are a lot of signals that an account is fake. It could be a picture used many times. It could be uh, other, other pieces of infrastructure that you, you can say that they're overlapping, that something's going on there, like, this doesn't look right. When someone reports a fake account, I see a, I see a lot of it with like external people reporting like a thousand fake accounts. Like here's a thousand fake accounts. They're fake because I said so, which is fine. I would if it was me looking at them, I'd be like, oh, these are high fidelity, probably fakes. In the era of preserving voice, you can't just say X said so. So these are fakes. Even if I saw it and I said so, I need to align it to a policy because whenever you take something down, you need to have the you need to have evidence and you need to have the ability to stand behind it. If one day someone goes after you and says, hey, this was actually not a fake account. The other thing that I personally had a, a hard time with is like the... I find a fake account and I found all the accounts that are connected to it by infrastructure, I would say, these are all fake accounts. Boom, down. You can't do that because it happened to me in the past that I took something, I took a very large swath of things down and then that one false positive gets to the news. And then there's assumptions over assumptions. Over, and it was really funny to see those assumptions were sitting inside like, oh, they did this, this silence this. I'm like, dude. It was a compromise account. Like, you just didn't know. And it was just little old me and not Facebook making decisions. So you have to be very careful. Even if you have, like, these thousands of, thousands of accounts, let's say we have one or ten, person, ten people dedicated to looking at these thousands of accounts, thousands of accounts, they need to align every... They need to make sure that it's fake, make sure that it's fake under this us, us specific policy, and then, by the policy, understand what exactly they can do. Do you take down the account? Do you, do you give the account the ability to come back? It's, what's really interesting is sometimes, even an, as an investigator, you'll look at something and you'll say, why would anybody, would a good user ever do this? There's no chance that this would be ever, ever be done by a good user. And then someone in another business area or a user will say, oh, uh, we do this all the time. This We are good users and we do this all the time. And it's that that's the thing that sometimes gets frustrating because you'll get railed on by like, why didn't you take these accounts down? It's obviously fake. It's obvious to you. It might not be obvious to everybody. It might not be fake. It might be used to something. I don't know. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to like get pinned on like, oh, you said this is not fake. I don't know. But the process behind it is more than just like clicking a button and taking things down because you said so or because I think so. It's a lot more cumbersome. And um, my team, for example, is not the team to take down fake accounts. I, I actually, it, it's difficult for me because I rather these fake accounts stay for a minute so I can investigate them. But that... That's difficult because you can't just leave harmful accounts on the platform. So the more accounts you take down, the less information you have. It's not like people that you can investigate them later. It's gone. Um, so, yeah, it's 
it's a lot more complex than than people would like it to be. That's a, that's a really tricky balance that you need to maintain there between, you know, I, I also understand your, your perspective from a kind of intelligence view. You want, you want to leave them. You want to understand the trail, the MOs. And if you shut them down, you don't have that visibility. And then you have to go look for the other fake accounts that they created on the platform because you shut down this fake account. So that's kind of a, that game of whack-a-mole, which you don't want to play. You want to catch the, MOs. And, and that brings me to another question about industry collaboration. And we're always, you know, this whole conversation, we were talking about what Meta can do for us to preserve our safety better. And now I think the question is, what, how can we help Meta in a way? What industry collaboration could improve abil- Meta's ability to execute? And you talked about law enforcement earlier. What other forms of collaboration do you think will help solve this problem? I'll start with the last one with law enforcement. It's funny. This, I, I listened to, to Aaron talk a couple of times, and this is her, these are her words of law enforcement has a technology problem, it appears. One, it's difficult for law enforcement to investigate these crimes, especially when you can't really prove the amounts uh, of, of how, like, there's, there's always going to be a threshold where, like, the FBI can't get involved in every single thing. It's like, um, so that's difficult. Um, I will say that we always had the appetite to bring things to law enforcement. Uh, as far as my team was, let's send this to law enforcement. The, from an enforcement perspective, I really like sending things to law enforcement because it's cool and it's exciting. How effective is it? I don't think it's super effective. So if we think about it on, from a large scale scam that's prevalent in a location, like pick a location that's prevalent there. Okay, I found the foot soldiers, I found the person, and then I found the head of the snake and I got him arrested. It's very difficult to measure what actual difference that made because there's a million snakes. So I spent a lot of time and energy or law enforcement spent a lot of time and energy catching that one bad guy. But that type of abuse is so prevalent in that location. That's the job. That's what they do to feed their children. They're not going to stop. Probably. Someone recently said, that a lot of the, the questions come towards law enforcement, come towards um, uh, the social media. But I don't hear a lot of questions about what about the socioeconomic issues in these locales breeds this? How can we help fix that? Right. And whose responsibility is it? Right. So we'll just narrow it down to, OK, the U.S. is being attacked and these operations are happening in Southeast Asia, for example, Cambodia. So what will the U.S. do in Cambodia in order to change the situation? Uh, that That's the type of question we're asking here. And that's a good one. The issue here is that it's so abstract. So it's really hard. And it's like there's nothing I can do about the U.S. policy, not much I can do there. So it's too abstract to attack. So I'll just go down to why is law enforcement not doing anything? Right. But one of the things that um, I, I also talked to Aaron about in the previous episode of Game Rangers talking about this topic is that even they had to redefine success when it comes to 
uh, these types of scams. And success is not necessarily going to be catching the criminal because this criminal is not necessarily in state. They can't necessarily get to them. It's virtual. It's harder, but they can seize the money. And I think one thing that, that social media platforms can do is prevent scams, not just catch the fake accounts, but actually prevent the scams by looking at the nature of the luring, the psychological impact, the emotions, the really looking at how, the, how does a scam look like and then maybe somehow cautioning the user. Um, so, yes, there's a bunch of things that are getting done and a kind of being worked around this. The, yes, there are the how do we augment the help center? How do we send a message every time there's there's something that looks fishy? Um, that's one side of the scope. So as you work at a cross-functional team, those things happen because you have the people that bring up the, 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 the kind of dirt from the bottom and then the people who are like, okay, how can we fix this on a product level? Which does happen, and I really love seeing it happen. The other space is how do we... We're not going to... It's going to be very stop, very hard to stop them from consistently creating new accounts, but you can stop these accounts like at creation, at um, at they're doing something at account takeover. You can do that, and but that takes it's just a lot of work. It's just a lot of work, a lot of time. It takes time to identify these things. Um, so if you ask how external sources can help, is some of what external sources are doing now report. Um, there's, uh, scam haters unite, for example, they send giant reports and those reports are great to, well, you can't just put those into classifiers and say, learn from this because I don't know for a fact, but, but I remember starting working on, 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 on pig butchering. I don't have evidence of pig butchering on platform. I don't, but if I get law enforcement reports and I get activist reports. The one thing I will say that is missing of this from this equation that will make it better is you have to give people who are doing this grace. You have to understand that when you say jump, they're not, they cannot immediately do what you ask them to do. So, and what happens is this, someone external gives information a team, I'm not going to talk about Meta, um, um, other companies I've, I've talked to, start working on it. And then that person becomes impatient and belligerent. And at that point, I want to fight the bad guys, but I'm a person too. And at that point, I don't want to work with you anymore. I will go find my intel somewhere. So you made yourself obsolete because it's, one, I don't want you to go to the press. I don't want you to yell at my people. If it didn't happen to my team, um, but I know, again, I, I've seen this in another company. If it was my team and you're giving my team information, but at the same time, you're berating my team, I am closing that down. I am worried about my team. My, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about my team's well-being. And if they get beaten down by you, I'll find another way to find the bad guys. But what you did at that point is made me not want to work with you anymore. And then you can rail all you want and have all the information you want, but you're completely useless at this point. 
I think that's a really, really strong point. That's often talking to, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day, trying to fix, make things better, make the world a safer place and a better place. And it might be frustrating if you have intel and you want it to be acted upon and executed against, but processes take time and there are many considerations to uh, put this puzzle together, not just, you know, not just taking the, the, the input from one party, but really putting them all together in a way that that takes a bigger perspective. And I do appreciate that we're talking about huge companies with multiple considerations. I wanted to thank you so much for being honest and open and willing to answer very tough questions, uh, which I think are really important ones and uh, sharing your insight with us. And I'm looking forward to speaking again soon and good luck with your new path. Thank you for having me and thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. Feel free to DM me on LinkedIn. I get it bigger living.